Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Coming to us live from Floyd Media in Rockville Center. Another big show coming up for you tonight. Pete Blackburn of Bally Sports and the brand new hockey show, What Chaos. We'll be joining us later to talk a little Isles, to talk a little Bruins, since the Isles will be matching up again against them later in the week. So with that, Stefan Rosner is here with me always. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Stefan, how are you? I'm fantastic. You're um, fantastic. Yeah, I haven't blown any leads recently, so I'm pretty good. <laughs> that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm doing all right as well. So before we jump in, I want to remind you all that we are happy to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagel. Satisfy your hunger at 719 Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also happy to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Also happy to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. Ready to fight for you. Check them out at RazorandKniff.com. That's R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F dot com. So with all the pleasantries out of the way, Stefan Rosner, the New York Islanders are 5-2-3. They have 13 points in 10 games played. They are tied for third in the Metro with the New Jersey Devils. They've run into some trouble here giving up leads recently, particularly at home. What do you make of this last week for the New York Islanders? Yeah, uh, blowing leads is certainly a problem. It's been now, an issue. what I will say is they've blown four two-goal leads in seven home games, but they haven't lost any of those games in regulation. I think that's it's a huge thing to point out. Point, no pun intended. They're 2-0-2 in those games. But okay. again, I think the biggest thing is, you know, last year, it takes 82 games to get in. And right. after they were eliminated in Game 6 to Carolina, Barzal said, you know, during his end-of-the-year presser, the games early in the year are so important because he's so frustrated with having to just battle and grind mm. every night just to get in. So he literally said, the games, the first 20, 30, 40 games are mm. so important because we need to get the points then. Well, the Islanders are doing the exact opposite with that. And again, Carolina, you had a 3-0 lead in that game on home ice. Yeah. With Sorokin in goal, you got to win those games. And the fact that they are consistently blowing the leads, whether it's two or three goals, whatever it is, blowing it, and then in overtime, they, they can't win in overtime. Yeah, it's it's weird. I said this on Twitter. Like Through 10 games, it seems like they reversed that trend from last yeah. season where they were coming out of the gate slow. They were giving up leads and they were, you know, basically chasing games and trying to claw, scratch and claw for points, which, you know, they were able to do because obviously they won a lot of comeback games last year and they got into the playoffs in game 82, as you said. But it was still an ongoing issue for for pretty much the majority of the season where they just couldn't get it together. So you fast forward to this season and they're scoring the first, sometimes second, sometimes third goal in a lot of these games so far. So they've definitely seemed to have solved that in the early going here. The problem is holding on to those leads. And I guess it's a little bit more unfamiliar territory for this team because, you know, they were chasing so much last year. But at the end of the day, like you said, these are games that you got to close out. These are games that you got to win. You got to be able to take that second point and And you have to hope that, you know, this isn't a situation you look back on later in the season. Say if they didn't squander those points early on, 
you know, they might have uh, ended up in a better spot, whether it's the playoffs, home ice, whatever it is. So I guess, you know, now we have to look at what's the issue here. Why why can't this team hold on to leads? Uh, I'm looking at these games, particularly last night against the Hurricanes, and, you know, especially when you got a guy like Adam Pellick out of the lineup, I think... They sat back too much, and they let the Canes come to them. And obviously, they struggled mightily, especially in the third period, getting out of that, getting out of their zone, and just chipping pucks away. And you saw all the chances that that the Hurricanes had. And you know that's that's from my viewpoint that it seems like they're they're trying to sit back too much in these leads where maybe they should have a little bit more of a killer instinct and go for that fourth goal, that fifth goal. It's ironic because they did the same thing in Game Six. Mm. and blew the lead and lost that game. And right. he thought after right. the game, Lou Lamarillo said, I think during his press conference, maybe a month or later and goes, that wasn't the plan. He doesn't know why the Islanders sat back. Yeah. And again, it's a different Carolina team, five brand new players. No Brett Pesci. And that's a huge loss for them. Same right. with the Islanders losing Pelicans huge. Right. But they did it again. Yeah. And they paid the price. Now you said it too, strong starts. They've outscored opponents seven to three in the first period, but they've been outscored 10 to six. This is that on home ice? Right. They've been outshot 429 to 401 in the third period. Okay. You know, that, that again, they're just sitting back. That's not a huge discrepancy. But and when you think they about usually it, give up more shots yeah. than they get in a game. So that, that doesn't bother me so much. But go ahead. 101 shot attempts for the Hurricanes last night. That's a problem. And Lane after Compared the game. Compared to like 30 something for the Isles, right? Yeah. And then Lane after the game said, well, this is what the Hurricanes do. Yes, the Hurricanes get pucks on goal. That's what they do. They mm. try to get shots. 101. That is a ridiculous number for again. Yeah. It's one thing, you know, you talk quality over quantity, but they're high-danger chances. And, you know, Sorokin's been hit. We'll talk about him a little bit. Sorokin's been sure. hit a lot with he's not making those big saves. He's not doing that. I saw that so much on Twitter today. And, again, I get it. 3.1 I don't know what goals. games these guys are yeah, watching, these people are watching. The stats, which not all He's of it, already but, made, like, nearly 10 highlight reel saves since the season started. Like, one per to. game. <laughs> 3.12 goals against average, 9-11 save percentage. But you look back at that game yesterday, and it's going to go under the radar – he made a ridiculous paddle save late in that third period. R- ridiculous mm. paddle save. Without that, you were thinking, okay, I think it was 3-2 at the time, Islanders. And you're thinking, uh, you don't have to remember that goal. They're, they're going to win this, right? You know. Mm-hmm. And they go to overtime, you're like, wow. They could have actually lost this game in regulation. Sure. And Sorokin, after game, I want to read a quote. Yeah. You know, Sorokin doesn't show emotion. It's mm. stop puck. Right. doesn't matter whatever it is. <laughs> right, stop puck. After the game, this is what he had to say. Yeah. Very frustrated. Second good game in a row for me where they win the third period, they as in the opponents, and we lost the game. And you could talk about him, you know, maybe cheating in overtime, but the, hmm. these games should not be going there. I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even fault him for that that winner in no. overtime. In fact, after uh, Nikish dished the pass off to yeah. Aho, he kind of set a pick on Nelson because yeah. that's what happened. Nelson was trying to cover Aho as he was coming in from outside the blue line, and he bumps into Nikash, and that's why he gets all that room to come in and just take that shot on Sorokin. So, I mean, he had Sorokin dead to rights as long as he put a good shot on. He did. He put it right through the wickets, and he gets that goal. So I wouldn't even fault Sorokin for the for the overtime winner. I mean, that's just an unfortunate you know, situation where they couldn't get the coverage because you had, what was it, I think, Fashing that was following Nikish after he, after he uh, made the pass, and they just had all that open ice. But but at the end of the day, you know, look, I don't fault Sorokin no, for, for less. You and, and, and it's nice to see a little fire yeah, out from, even to sure. the point, I'm surprised the point where, I mean, that's, in, in a sense, a, a real, like, kind of backwards way of calling out his team there and saying, hey, I had another good game here, and we couldn't close this one out. So he's starting to get frustrated. It's not just, uh, it's not just the fans watching the game. So it's, it's a big issue for this team. And, and look, it's, it's a negative. It's a problem. We're, we're going to talk a lot more about it, especially in regards to Lane Lambert, because I know a lot of his name's getting mentioned a lot in social media. But I'll say this, 
is maybe it's never good, but maybe it's a good thing that it's happening in the early going here. They're still getting points despite this happening. And hopefully this is something that they can work out for the next 72 games. It doesn't mean they're going to, but if it's something that they can kind of focus on now because it's happening now, perhaps as the season goes on, this is something they can nip in the bud now so it's not so much of a problem going forward. And there are so many positives, too, that people are just overlooking. First off, Noah Dobson, three goals, seven assists, 10 games, 10 points. I mean, they've been waiting for this, and he's been much better defensively. Yes. So he's not sacrificing the defense for the offense. We'll yep. get to Holmstrom later, but right. my God, the confidence. He's, he yeah. seems to have figured it out. He looked like a different player this week. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like I said, we'll get to that. Sebastian Ajo, though, is taking strides mm-hmm. the whole season. You're just Palmieri being back healthy is a such Kyle a game changer. Healthy, and he's nearly a point-per-game guy now. You look at that whole line, I wanted to focus on them a little bit, too. I think you got eight points from Palmieri, seven from Nelson. You got five assists from Engvall. I mean, that's a 41-point pace for him, which probably would be a career high without looking at a stat sheet. So that line's looking good, too. There are a lot of positives to take, but I do know it's Islander country, and I do know it's very easy to focus on the negatives, and that's good. Hold, hold the team to a higher account. Set the bar high. Everybody wants to see a winner. But at the end of the day, five, two, and three... In the mix, I think they're four points out of first place in the Metro. They got a game in hand on the Rangers. They got a games in hand on a couple other teams. Now, that that doesn't mean if they keep playing the way they're yeah. playing, it's going to continue all right. They definitely have some things that they got to work out. But it, we're not talking about a, a three, four, five game losing streak here. We're talking about some issues that they got to work out before they keep playing more. The Carolinas, the Bostons, the Minnesotas, even though they're struggling, that are coming up now. You know, I thought... The game against Carolina last night was going to be a nice little litmus test for this team. Finally, to make a statement, Carolina struggling a little bit and pl- not playing to the level that everybody expected them yeah. to out of the gate here. They're still kind of finding their way here. But I thought if, if they could hold on and get the two points against Carolina last night, maybe everybody exhales a little bit and says, okay, they finally beat a team you know, in the upper echelon of the league. This is a Stanley Cup favorite. And unfortunately, they collapse in the third period and it leaves more question marks and everybody's still concerned about where this team's going. Could be worse. Could be the San Jose Sharks who allowed ten goals and back. They got to get relegated. We got we, we got to add that. I mean, I think you know. Back shout out Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake said relegation. I mean, I think in age, no joke, because in AHL is the second best league in the world. There's got to be an AHL team that could beat the, this team. Is horrific, horrific. I, I mean, I you know we got a break for Pete, <laughs> but you know I I think it was part of the design to you know fail for whoever the top pick is going to be next summer. I don't I don't even know who that is. I know San Jose is in a thick rebuild, but I didn't know it was going to be back to back ten goal bad. It's one way know? to it's one thing to lose. It's how they're losing. And, and the most ironic thing is that they couldn't do this last year and get Bedard. They waited until after Bedard's gone, then be this. Yeah, bad. I don't know if there's some like genre defining player that's coming up. It's not Bedard. You know, uh, right. Right. <laughs> generational player, I should say, but it's not Bedard. But uh, all right, well, it's 8-13, so we got a break. We got Pete Blackburn of Bally Sports joining us and the brand new What Chaos Hockey Show joining us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Pete Blackburn will join us. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. 
And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. Join us right now from Bally Sports and co-host of the brand new What Chaos Hockey Show, Pete Blackburn. Pete, thanks so much for joining us tonight, man. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, before we get started on the aisles, on the Bruins and what, what else is going on in the league here, why don't you just tell us a little bit about this new show, What Chaos you got going on, man? Yeah, it's a daily show, a uh, daily NHL show, Monday through Thursday. Uh, first, we'll be on YouTube um, live every day at noon Eastern, and then it'll turn into a podcast. But like basically the the elevator pitch is that it's going to be like a very fun, very loose approach to covering hockey, basically kind of the way if you follow me on Twitter, like, you know that I like to have fun and, and make jokes and be kind of a clown sometimes. And that'll be like the vibe of the show. And, um, you know, it'll. It'll have a lot of interviews with players and just kind of goofing around with them, trying to get it's it's mainly like a a a vehicle to try to drive like personalities in hockey and whether that's players or or media or whatever. That's going to be the goal. Our first guest was Brad Marchand. He was perfect, like just the <laughs> the ideal guest for uh, to start off the show in terms of him fooling around with us. And then uh, I guess I'll give you guys a scoop. We have Connor Bedard on Tuesday, oh, nice. um, which will be very which will be great. So, uh, yeah, very excited. The show has been awesome so far and, and the launches. Uh, I'm really excited. Well, that's excellent, man. Looking forward to checking it out and, and best of luck with it, of course. Um, so let's dive into what's going on in the league right now. I want to start with you to get kind of your uh, your outsider's point of view on the New York Islanders because we we kind of joke about it around here all the time how anybody outside the island always has the Isles pegged for bottom of the league. They're they're no good. They're boring. Is that uh, is that the vibe you're st- you're getting out of those guys or what are you seeing out of them so far? If you had asked me like two weeks ago, I, I would have you know pushed back on that and I would have said, you know, I, I like them. Like, I think they're, they're a team that always hangs around and they're always kind of a problem and an annoyance. Uh, you know, they're not a perfect team, but they're always hanging around. They're a respectable team. Now, I th- like this season, I, they just haven't really registered on my radar all that much. And they just kind of, I don't want to say that like that they're playing like boring hockey. I just think mm-hmm. that there's kind, they're kind of like a boring middle of the pack team as far as what we've seen this year. And obviously... That it, they'd be a lot more interesting if they could hold a lead, I guess. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I'm not going to trash them. I think it's it's probably uh, more of a rickety start than you'd like to see um, from that group. But I, I still think that they're, especially in a like a metropolitan division that I don't that I think is like, you know, pretty pretty split between like respectable teams and then just like garbage at the bottom. I don't think that they're in the garbage at the bottom. Okay. Pete, so you know, so obviously last year Sorokin and Omar fighting for the Vesna. Omar gets it. What do you think of Sorokin? You know, when when you watch him play, he's one of the best goalies in the league. I just, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any pushing back against that. He's been great to, to start this year so far. Like, I don't think there's any conversation there. He's just one of the best goalies in the league. For sure, for sure, Pete. And let's pivot over to the Bruins. Uh, you have some familiarity with those guys. <laughs> So I got to be honest, man, you know, they they lost their top two centers going into this season. And I thought the bottom was going to fall out a little bit. And of course, here they are picking up right where they left off last year. They're winning 
you know, 98% of their games to this point. They finally dropped their first one in regulation to Detroit last night. Uh, what still has the motor running for this team? Uh, it's the back end. Like, their defense has been really good. Uh, goaltending has been, uh, once again, top of the league. Like, that that's what you need to win first and foremost in this league. And they still got it. And did I think that they were going to start off the season 9-0-1? Absolutely not. Yeah. Did I think that they were going to be better than most people gave them credit for? Yes, I did. And I thought that they would be, like, second in the Atlantic. Um, just because, like, like I said, Back end, still awesome. Up front, a lot of issues, at least like d- during the offseason. They really stumbled into a like magic beans with Matthew Matthew Patra uh, being their second line center. He has been like a godsend for a team that desperately needed a top six center right. to come out of nowhere. And look at that. It happened. He has been great. Uh, he's been exactly what they needed. And I, and I don't think that it's like a short term thing. This kid is the real deal, and he has been awesome in what we've seen from him so far. Yeah, and you got Zach in there, Coyle putting up the points, and James Van Van Riemsdyk seems to have a little bit of a uh, revitalization of his career here. What does he have? I think seven, eight points now through through the uh, start of the season here so far. I said it uh, before opening night. I was like, I cannot wait for the James Van Riemsdyk redemption tour <laughs> because it just seems so obvious to me. Like the Bruins have needed a guy who just cleans up garbage around the crease for a, for a while. He has made an entire career out of being that guy. And for him to escape Philly and kind of what was going on there and for him to kind of get the chains broken off, because obviously it didn't go the past few years haven't gone the way that that that, uh, that he's wanted. And I talked right. to him about it and he was just like, it is so great to be <laughs> free of that and have sure. a, kind of a, a rebirth. And I just think it was it was a perfect situation for him to come in, prove himself. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been perfect to start the season, but he's been James Van Reems. Like he cleans, cleans up in front of the net and he'll find like 20, 25 goals this year. Pete, the talk on the Island is always about the Islanders goaltending 10 and with Sorokin and Varlamov, but how special, I mean, we see the hugs after the, after the Bruins win, but how special is their goalie tandem with Omar and Swayman? It's been, I mean, it's been unbelievable and, and, uh, it has worked, I think more perfect than anybody could have expected. Even the front office when, um, you know, when it looked like Swayman was ready to be the guy and they signed Olmark, I was like, I don't, I have no idea why you, why you do that. Why you go out and spend uh, on, you know, a, a sort of long-term deal, a big, big commitment to a goaltender. I, even though I like Linus Olmark and he had a, a few good years in Buffalo, I, I didn't understand it. And now I understand it. Uh, like you, it, we are transitioning to, I think, in NHL in which you need two good goaltenders at least to put together really deep runs and have sustainability. And the Bruins were ahead of that. And, you know, I give them a lot of credit and I give a lot of credit to both goaltenders. They have split the net so, so evenly and unselfishly this entire time. They are truly the best of friends, um, which is a Pretty ideal situation if you're the Boston Bruins. Yeah, it's pretty familiar territory for us here on the island with Sorokin and Varlamov, both uh, really good buds. Obviously, Sorokin getting the the bulk of the starts, but uh, it's good to see that they kind of have that relationship. But how much does Montgomery play into the success of this team, obviously, with the run last year and now the start here? I mean... You know, he uh, he obviously was out of the league a little bit after his tenure in Dallas, and uh, he comes back, has just a, such a phenomenal season last year. They're doing great this year. What, what, what kind of role is he playing with this team? Yeah, I think it's a huge role, and I think there are two major factors about Montgomery's presence. Is Number one, 
he's great in the room. Like the guys, the guys obviously really respect him. He's a great players coach, um, you know, both on a personal level and uh, a professional level. I think he is uh, from everything that I've seen from that guy. He is just uh, unbelievable dude. And uh, also the freedom that he gives the players to, to mess up, to to grow as players and kind of like the leash that he gives them i think really freed them up starting last year because bruce cassidy who's a great coach in his own right is really tough on his players and when they make mistakes they will hear about it not only in the room they'll hear about it in front of a microphone uh after games and stuff like that montgomery takes a little bit of a different different approach where he's a bit softer with these guys you know obviously he lets them hear it when when they need it behind closed doors but he he allows a certain amount of freedom for guys to kind of spread their wings. And we really started to see that last year with the defensemen that they had on this team, the freedom to join the rush, to activate, to kind of play down low, uh, really kind of raise the game of, of a lot of the guys they have on the blue line. And that made a world of difference uh, for that offense and, and that team in general. So uh, he's been the perfect coach for, for this team and for this group. Pete, if memory serves correctly, we're- I think you were on the island for the Islanders Bruins series. Am I correct with that? Yeah, sure was. I was there for uh, the last game of the series, which was uh, quite a fun time for me to be in that building. <laughs> so despite the result not going in the Bruins' favor, what was that experience like being at a, at a playoff game at the Coliseum? It was awesome. Like it was it uh it sort of um reinforced everything that I had heard about the Coliseum, which was that it's it's a dump, but it's your dump and it <laughs> yeah, has sure a certain amount of charm and energy to it that uh, that I, I definitely felt. I mean, being in the parking lot before the game and getting to experience the tailgate and sort of the culture that is Islanders hockey was incredible. It was like one of the first times that I'd ever tailgated a hockey game and it was very cool. I really like the blue collar aspect of, of that that fan base. I really love everybody going to like Borelli's after the game and, and just kind of meeting up there. Like it just definitely seemed like a real tight knit community and like a great culture. And you can tell that like the, the, you know, I, you know, from, from a from afar, you can kind of feel like the little brother aspect of, of like the defensiveness that comes to the Islanders. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, it, it registered with me, but then when I got there, I, I understood it because like it is a smaller community and like you can tell that everybody that's an Islanders fan cares deeply, deeply, deeply about that team. And that's the good stuff, man. That's the stuff that like warms my heart. And so uh, Islanders fans do have a special place in my heart for sure. That's great to hear, Pete. And, and you know, to bounce off of that. Has has the perspective of this team and I guess this franchise kind of changed or altered a bit since they got out of that building? Now they have a primetime arena in UBS. Um, you know, they're kind of like corporate hockey now. You know, you walk into the building and you're, you're paying the $19 <laughs> for a beer now. Where at the Coliseum, you can maybe get one for 12 which is somewhat somehow reasonable <laughs> in this world. But, but How long you know, do you have to wait for the bathrooms now? Because my trip to the Coliseum was like, you got to go to the bathroom with 12 minutes left in a period before, if you oh, want to yeah. make it out. You have to be a seasoned veteran at the Coliseum to know when <laughs> to go to, to hit the restroom. That's for sure. But that's yeah. even a problem that they've solved at, at UBS. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if the perspective has kind of changed you know, that they're kind of like a little bit, even though they're the little brother to the Rangers and whatnot, but are they more of a big boy franchise now because they have this building and everybody who who kind of comes in and out of it seems to rave about it? And have you been there yourself? 
I haven't been there yet. It's it's on my it's on my list, and I'm I'm definitely gonna get there this year. But like the the legitimacy factor, I think is absolutely there because number one, the team's been good for a little while, yeah. and and that's the first thing that you need. But again, like you mentioned, like you have a a home, and it's a nice home, and it's a consistent home. You're not splitting home games between two buildings, one of them being a dump, one of them being a basketball arena. Right. Um. So like, yeah, the legitimacy for the Islanders is certainly there. The fandom is certainly there. The team is there um and it, it probably also helps that the coyotes now play in a college arena that that holds like eight thousand people so even if even if you were playing in a dump or a basketball arena you'd be like at least we're not there it's so true it's so true i mean it's honestly it's still surreal to me that they're even playing in this arena like i feel like some at some point somebody's gonna pinch me i'm gonna wake up and they're they're either uh moved to kansas city or they're, <laughs> they're still in in the coliseum but i wanted to to go back to the bees for a second i mean you know you just talk about how well they're playing now how amazing they were last season what happened in that that series against the florida panthers when they hit that freight train known as uh Mack-a-Chuck and the panthers in that first round yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a combination of things. It was them. It was unforced errors. They shot themselves in the foot quite a bit with with a lot of the turnovers that they had in their defensive zone. Um, Allmark wasn't good, and they stuck with him too long. Um, you know, it, it it sort of blew my mind some of the coaching decisions made by Jim Montgomery in that series, where um, you know the the goalie rotation had worked for them all season long, and when you had a a three one series lead. And you had a perfect opportunity to go to Swayman to get Allmark some some rest. Just stuck with Allmark and and tried to ride it out. Um, and then went to Swayman in Game Seven. And it was too late at that point. Um, you know, Bergeron was rushed back, and I know it's very hard to say no to Patrice Bergeron. He says that he's ready to play, but it seemed very clear that when he returned to play, he was not very effective. He mm. was not himself. And I think as a coach, you step in and you have to make the right decision for your team, even if it is standing up to your captain and uh and you know that veteran presence to be like listen rest up get get right for for series two because we're going to need you for that series and and so it was just kind of like a perfect storm of things going wrong um in that series and you know obviously florida seized those opportunities matt kachuk stepped up um and sergey Bobrovsky was great too so like you know it was a perfect storm of things going wrong for them so you said you just interviewed Marshan, and that was a great episode. I guess, obviously, him being named the captain now, do you get a sense from him in terms of that, yeah, this guy's a born leader? Uh, not a born leader. Uh, I think that he's he's learned, and, um, you know, I think that he's certainly well-respected for good reason uh, by a lot of those guys in the room. Um, he is he is a great, great guy. Uh, he's a great dude, uh, obviously a great player. I know that you from a national perspective, there's a lot of – you know, yeah, I got a question. Screw that guy. <laughs> screw that guy. He's not a good dude. Um, but I'll I'll tell you he he is, and uh, he definitely crosses the line, and he'll tell you that to to your face. He knows that he he's done some dumb crap over the years, but um, you know, uh, he's a really good dude, and I think that he's well respected for both his his play on the ice and who he is off of it in that room, and so uh, he it kind of made him the leading candidate to get the C this year. Fair enough. But yes, yeah, Stefan, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I have to say, like, you know, I guess, I don't know, did they have a lot of options? I'm not sure. Maybe you can tell me. But, you know, when they named him captain, I was like, huh. I was like, wow. I was like, okay, that guy's had some questionable hits over the years. But, like, I'm like, this guy went from face licker to captain <laughs> of the Boston Bruins. I was like, how does that happen? 
Trust me, I was. Uh, it, it is surreal to think about, even even from a Bruins fan perspective. I never would have guessed that he'd be uh, he'd be a captain of this team. Um, you know, not because again, not because like he, he's. I just didn't think that he'd ever be in line. I didn't mm-hmm. see him lasting long enough past Patrice Bergeron to to seize the sea. And I, I really did think that they still might give it to Charlie McAvoy. Um, okay, you know, instead of Bert, instead okay. of Marshan, just because. It would last a little bit longer. Obviously, Marshan's towards the end of his career. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when they did give it to him, I was like, wow, they gave it <laughs> yeah. to him. But like, you know, it, it the shock wore off pretty quickly because, again, he he, he is qualified for that gig. Well, Pete, it's been a ton of fun, man. I really appreciate you joining us here tonight. And uh, best of luck with what chaos, man. Can't wait to watch it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This was fun. You got it, bud. Take care. Thanks, Pete. All right, folks, that was Pete Blackburn of Bally Sports and What Chaos, the brand new hockey show on YouTube. You can check that out Monday to Thursday. I'm going to do that myself. Me too. <laughs> all right. So, folks, I want to thank you all for hanging out with us here at Hockey Night in New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. Before we take a break, I want to tell you a little bit about our friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, go to Main ST Board Game Cafe Cafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. With that, thank you once again for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. We'll be right back. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. Kick up your feet. Settle back into Hockey Night in New York. We're talking New York Islander hockey, and we are going to continue things with the unanimously loved Lane Lambert, <laughs> who everybody's talking about on social media these days. Despite the fact that they're 5-2-3, and three, that they're in the mix in the Metro, there are a lot of gripes out there, and, and Stefan and I are going to talk about it a little bit. Stefan, you know, we just we talked about the blown leads and whatnot before Pete joined us. How, how much does that rest on Lane Lambert's shoulders. Yeah, I think, again, this is this is the concerning part is because this is a team under Barry Trotz that all these little things they're struggling to do right now, 
they had no problem doing under trots. And again, mm-hmm. you look at it and say, well, it's most of the same team. So what's changed? Well, clearly Lane's not putting enough of an emphasis on these things or these players would be able to grasp it. Again, these are not different players. Most of them are the same. So yeah, I think it does come down to coaching. I think also you have to remember, it's not just what the, you know Lane telling players would do on the ice, but it's certain line changes, certain cutting minutes. And I think that's what we right. should start because late in games, Lane is cutting the bench and especially the mm. defense. And, you know, we talked about it before the show, but you were at without Scott Mayfield who eats minutes. Right. And okay. Yeah. Samuel Bolduc up here and Bolduc's just getting his leash pulled late in, or even the middle, late third periods where he's not playing and, and Lane's running five defensemen. And it's very tough when you're already down a guy like Mayfield who kills a ton of penalties where you have mm. Dobson playing on the penalty kill uh, yeah. players playing out of position to fill that role. And then you lose Adam Pellick now. And again, right. you have you're running essentially five D. So I have some notes on Bolduc here again. Okay, I think he's looked better, but he's not mm. getting those those minutes. And he's I th- still raw. Correct. He's still and raw. the issue the Islanders have now is he's not, he's uh, not waiver exempt. So if the Islanders wanted to send him yeah. down and call somebody up, like I know Robin Sell had a fantastic game for Bridgeport today, mm. and this is one of those where this is the time for him to have big games because you yeah, never yeah. know. Mm. But I you know I look back at all the home games that Bolduc's played in, and he's been benched in all of them. So I just want to start quickly. I'll rattle them off here. And against the Yotes, he didn't play the final 1226. Mm-hmm. Against the Avalanche, he didn't play the final 1645. Against Ottawa, he didn't play the final 1142. Against Detroit, he didn't play the final 1205. And last night, he didn't play the final 19 minutes and 24 seconds of that game. That is just putting... Again, these are also games where the Islanders took a ton of penalties and things like that where right. you are essentially He's... running five defense. And my mindset is if you are really if you really don't have trust mm-hmm. in Bolduc not even late in the thirds, in the third period at all. Yeah. You have an extra forward on the bench in Godia. You have an extra forward in Wallstrom. If you're really going to do that, why not give your forwards a little bit of break? Because we talk about defense and everyone thinks about, okay, oh, it's just the defenseman. It's mm-hmm. the forwards playing defense in their own zone where you guys, guys like Fashing or even Godia who are smart, where maybe if you run 13 forwards and 5D, you'll get more out of that than benching Boulder. And I think that's the biggest concern because we talked about it too is, Sure, Dobson's racking over 24 minutes, whatever it is. You know, top defensemen play over 25 yeah. minutes. It happens. Yeah. The problem is the discrepancy and when Bolduc is getting pulled. Because I asked Lane after the game, I said, what does Bolduc have to do mm-hmm. to earn more minutes? And yeah. he didn't really answer the question. <laughs> and again, I think it's more up to Bolduc to, to make more of a statement. But the problem is, is mm-hmm. you're, just, you're just putting so much pressure on your forwards now because, you know, less defense, struggles to get out of the zone. Now your forwards need to help out more. And then Sorokin. And Varlamov. I mean, again, when the defense are tired, that means less less chances they're making plays. It means more shots on Sorokin and Varlamov, more wearing them down. I just think that's the biggest issue right now is the discrepancy between minutes because essentially mm-hmm. you're, you're killing your defense and then in, you're killing your goaltending. Yeah, and, and to play devil's advocate a little bit, I mean, maybe that has a little bit to do with why this team is struggling to hold on to leads because... Yeah. They're spreading their defensemen too thin as far as, you know, tiring them out because, as you've noted, he's sitting on the bench in the third period at the end of the game, which, which means the rest of the guys are getting out there a little more than they were earlier on. So they're obviously, you know, tiring out a little bit more in the third period. I mean, does that absolve Lambert and the coaching staff for, for these blown leads? No, of course not. But at the same time, it could just be another one of those factors where, you know, yes, the injuries to Mayfield and Pellick, of course, don't help. Those are guys you want. Those are two guys you definitely want out there protecting leads. Those are guys that would be munching minutes in the third period had they been around in those games. But it's still a bit of an issue when the Islanders are, are between a rock and a hard place with Ball Duke. 
because if they send him down, he, he still has upside. He still has promise. This is a guy who can still figure it out. You hear it all the time. It takes some defensemen longer than, than others to, to kind of get their act together. Now, obviously, he's had some issues. It's, certainly, there's an issue with confidence with him, and, and I get it. You know, he's, he's being pulled from games. He's, he's, he's not being shown a lot of confidence from the staff, and, and it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing where he hasn't done enough to earn it, and the, the coaching staff isn't giving it to him to feel better about himself, right? So he kind of has to dig deep, you know, look within himself a little bit here and figure it out on his own. But they can't send him down because he's probably going to get claimed and they don't want to risk that because they still have high hopes for this guy. The problem is they bet on him before the season started. The bet didn't work out. And and now the injuries came early and they came they came to important key guys, you know, in Mayfield and Pellick where, you know, they can't trust Bullduke eating up those minutes that those guys are giving up. So it's spreading the rest of the D out, and, and we're seeing this situation where they're getting caught in their own zone. Is it because they're fatigued? Sure could be. Yeah, and I remember last year around the deadline, the Islanders had a couple of million dollars in cap space and chose not to use it. They, they ran Boldick in the playoffs when Romanov got hurt, and that, again, that's a, that's a tough situation for a rookie to, to be in, especially against yeah. a hurricane team like that. It backfires. Romanov, healthy enough to play. Realistically, he probably wasn't completely right. healthy. We know right. he had the surgery this summer. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another chance this summer where they could have, you know, they could have traded contracts. They got rid of Bailey's contract. Obviously, they waived Ross Johnson. They There was cap space to be had, even if it was a waiver claim, to bring in a veteran defenseman because they didn't have to start Bulldog on the NHL roster. I think I think realistically, the idea was they're hoping that before the season starts, they're hoping Bulldog beats Ajo out for the starting job. And yeah. that didn't happen. Right. Ajo was fantastic. Um, and now you're seeing the issue is, too, is with when you're cutting Bulldog back, you're also cutting back the minutes of his pairing. I mean, Bolduke and Aho are not like right. Aho deserves to play more, but because they had him paired with Bolduke, you know, you don't trust that pairing. You're mm-hmm. not playing that pairing. And now Mayfield played with Bolduke last game. Again, Mayfield's not 100% either. It looked like he aggravated his other ankle or leg yesterday mm-hmm. early in that game. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's just weighing and putting a lot more pressure on the D. Again, a D that's also struggled defensively this year. It's not like they've been perfect and now the injuries are, they didn't start off strong at all. I mean, we talk about the chances and the trading chances and how every game it seems like the Islanders are getting out chance and you have to rely on, I mean, Varlamo's been incredible. He's been better consistent but better than Sorokin in terms of just positioning and everything like that but in three games but yeah. yeah but it's crazy what Varlamov's doing but again there's so much pressure on these goalies and mm. we saw last year you know Sorokin had to be brilliant last year the Islanders were not making the playoffs and it showed fatigue and he won't, he won't admit it the team you know no one's gonna admit that but he was tired right and at least this year if, if they if Varlamov's gonna have the success he has maybe you could give Sorokin some rests here or there but at the same time if the goaltending is so exhausted by the end of the year you're not going to get them at their best in the playoffs. And right now, this Islander team is proving that they need their goaltenders at the best every game in order to get two points or one. So I guess with that, I mean, do you take the risk of giving Bolduc more minutes, hope that he does all right out there so that the other guys can be a little fresher in the third period? I mean, what's the solution? I think you got to, you, you made your bed with Bolduc being here and mm-hmm. you, you kind of got to line it. Well, okay. Again, I don't, I personally, again, I'm Roll not the, the dice a little bit. I'm not the coach. <laughs> I'm not on the bench, but yeah. I haven't, like, he didn't look bad to me. Like, it's not like he's every game, it's like, oh, there's one play where he needs to sit. You know, things like that. It's just, he's confidence. had, he's had some shaky moments. For sure. There's no doubt. But you want him to learn, right? And that's the, right. that was the argument the last year of Trots where, you know, Wallstrom was getting benched every mm-hmm. game. And you said, that's not the way for a young kid to learn. And you saw last yeah. year when Lambert, you know, maybe he pulled her sad veterans, but, you know, Wallstrom was getting the chance to play. Young guys mm-hmm. were getting the chance to play. And this year it's with Bolduc. 
Again, I don't think he's been egregious enough. Again, you don't have no choice. You have no choice right now. You're down Pelic. You need you need someone to eat minutes. And I don't think sitting. I don't think him sitting the final nineteen twenty six. Like mm-hmm. if he had played, I don't. I don't know. Do they win? I don't know. I'm not going to blame the loss if Boldig's in there on him. But you can't even blame him for the loss because he wasn't on the ice. Right. Right. And and outside of that, you know, just talking about Lane and and the strategy, I guess that the Islanders have implemented so far this season. I mean, you know, outside of just. The defense, you know, taking up more minutes in the in the third because of that reason with Bolduc. I mean, is 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 he just over relying on you know the goaltending and I suppose the defense in a sense to to kind of just hang on to these games? Is that is that what we're seeing here? Because look, this is a team. You know, before you even look at the games, they are they're built from the goaltending out. So yeah. yes, their strategy is literally to rely and on that's their goaltending. Every team too is like you need yeah. the goaltenders to be good. Well, of course, but this team is 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 scripted. To do that, but I think the question is: Are they doing it too much? And and is and does he have them playing a style of game that that sort of thing is being exposed? You talk about the shots on goal against. You talk about the chances against, whether they're hitting the net or not. Is that because of the the way Lane has this team playing, or the team itself just has a tough time, you know, struggling to to keep the puck on the other end of the ice? I think it depends who you talk to, because talking to Lane. Um, he said the biggest issue with these blowing, blown leads is that they're not making plays in their D zone when they have the chance to make mm-hmm. plays. They're taking it too long. They're turning the puck over. But I kind of think Lane's overcoaching because you look at the lineup changes that he was making, and we know that one game where he makes the lineup changes and they blow that game. But And also, too, in terms of, again, overcoaching, what did Bolduc show last night that he couldn't play any minutes in the third? Again, I don't. Maybe he must have saw something because he's not doing that for fun. But at the same time, I think right. he's just, that's a he, game. He would love to use him if he felt good about it. But it was 3-1 yeah. it was three one going into the third that Boldy played in, the, you know, he played the first two periods and they didn't have an issue there. So I think yeah. I think he's just trying too hard. And I, again, I think the the turnovers late in games in the own zone, I really do think it's just because he's got certain players just playing too many minutes to compensate. And I think, again, we've played hockey. <laughs> the longer the game goes on, we talked to Wallstrom too, even with his ACL. Mm-hmm. He told us early on, like, the first two periods were great, and then the third he felt it. I mean, these guys are going 100 miles an hour every game. Playing a lot more minutes is going to weigh on you. It, it just is. You're seeing Matt Martin, he's barely playing minutes and things like that. Now, that's mm-hmm. different because of age. Bolduc's not getting tired. Mm-hmm. I, I just think this is this is a team where they're such strict with their structure and how fast they have to play, not just fast speed, but quick passes, quick playmaking, that you're just, you're killing them, in, a, in yeah. essence, late in games, and they're just not making the plays that they usually make. Again, they're making right. those plays in the first and second period. That's not an issue. Right. I guess the question is, is it going to take as long as a season to solve this issue as it kind of did for the slow starts last year, right? Like, they need to solve this, this you know, blown leads problem a lot sooner because they are going to play tougher teams. And, you know, the record may not look like 5-2-3 and three rather quickly if, if this, you know, continues to be an issue. So uh, that's why I really want to see just how, you know, these games against these upcoming teams continue. They, they obviously failed the test against Carolina the other night. They got a point out of it, you know, which is good. You want to take points out of teams who I guess are considered better than you in the standings, but you're at home, you're up three nothing, you gotta close that game out. There's no there's no doubt about that. And I think I think things change depending on how long Pellick's out. Because we saw year after year when he does get hurt, sure, you could say Barzal is the most talented forward they have, Nelson's the mm-hmm. best scorer. Pellick is the glue that holds this structure together. And it doesn't matter if Pellick maybe this year hasn't been playing the way he played a couple years ago or even last year coming back from the injury mm-hmm. it wasn't the same Pellick. You could just see the difference it makes when Pelic is not in the lineup. Again, this is yeah. a guy that right. he's so talented, and people forget that. Even if he's not playing to the level, a a solid Pelic is still better than a majority of the guys in this league on the defense. And I think without him, 
you got to you got to change the way you play because he's again a top pairing guy with Dobson too. It just changes everything if he's not there. Yeah, no, for sure. And one guy I just want to know because I think he deserves it is Romanov. And yes. uh, you know these these past pretty much the whole season. But I've had games where I'm like, I barely even notice Romanov out there, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like that means he's just steady. He's doing what he's got to do. Every now and then he'll he'll get the you know puck at the point. He'll throw a shot, and I'm like, oh, there he is. You know, but I'm not noticing because he's playing his game. He's expected to be a defensive style guy, keep pucks out of the net, and I think he's been doing a great job. I think he just deserves a little bit of a uh, you know applause there. That's Him all. being placed with Pulak was the best thing for his development, and honestly, credit to Pulak too. Sure, because this is a guy where Pulak was very comfortable with Pelic. And you would think, okay, going from playing with a the best defender on the team to a rookie that, or uh, you know, a couple of years in the league where shaky stuff, where you have to be more responsible and everything. Like credit to Pulak because he's, you know, he was a guy that everyone expected to be a goal scoring defenseman, provide the shot from the point. He's been a great defender. Yeah, I mean, yes, there's been some shaky times in OT and on five on five, and, and it happens. But credit to him because he's kind of changed his game to fit the Islanders and what they've needed. And I think he's done a great job for Romanov. The same way you look at Pelek and Pelek playing with Dobson. I mean, listen, Dobson the last week or so, even now, just that goal he scored last night, it was crazy. You yeah. know, he, that's just, that's the Dobson where you know he's got the confidence. And that confidence is, we see it on the negative side and the positive side of just how confidence, how dangerous that can be. No, Dobson figured it out like right on time because I remember we were watching those preseason games and being like, uh-oh, not looking good yeah. here for Noah. But it's almost like he flipped the switch when the season started. And, you know, he continued to put the points up. But like you said, he looks great on the defensive side too for the most part. So hopefully he's uh, he's finally found that right mindset and it keeps going because, I mean, he's on pace for an 82-point 82, 82 season right now. We'll see if that continues. But but good stuff from him. But I think we're going we're gonna to leave what's on tap from the side. You guys can... Go online and you'll, you'll, you'll know what games are coming up. I want to go into Hero of the Week. But before we do, I want to tell you about our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. So shout out to our friends at Isles Fix. And with that, Ed Q, the music. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Poke Check, featuring roast beef, turkey, ham, Swiss and American, lettuce and tomato, and mayo on a hero. Stop on into the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location for half off the Poke Check. So with that, Hero of the Week, I'm going to go with a guy that we mentioned a little bit earlier on in the show, and that is none other than Simon Holmstrom. I think this was his best week as an Islander. Uh, you got the two goals, so that makes it a little easier. But just outside of that, he looks like a different player to me. He's playing with confidence. You see the moves that he's making. He's finishing. Hopefully, this is a sign of thing to, things to come. He gets the shorty last night in a losing effort. But uh, another really nice goal for him. And that play between him and Fashion the other night was uh, was beautiful. He starts the play. He ends the play. And look, if guys like Oliver Wall- Wallstrom aren't going to pull their weight and step up, maybe it's still the injury. But if that's not going to happen for the Isles, you need a guy like Simon Holstrom to step up. So, uh, Stefan, I pass it now on to you. Well, I have to ask you, did you pick the poke check because he poked it in the neutral zone? Was that intentional? Uh, I got, you know, you're a pretty clever dude. Dude, man, I did pick the poke check because of how Simon Holmstrom plays the game. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> First off, the defense this year by him in terms of his defensive play has been fantastic, which is why he played 50 games last year. And he told me last year, he goes, 
I need to bring more offense. I know it's in me. You know, I have this. And this year early on, it was a struggle. You know, it was a struggle. But now, two goals in back-to-back games, two on O's. Yeah. And we're going to hear from Holmstrom in a second because I got a little interview with him. But what he is just... The moves. That's that's the standard. It's one thing the shot. We know he has the shot. He just hasn't shown it enough. But the confidence to pull out moves, again, the one against uh, the Capitals where he makes a sick move at the Islanders' blue line, then gets up the ice, and then cuts to the to the slot mm-hmm. once he crosses the capital zone, and Fashing made a great play to get up the ice on that. You, we haven't seen that. that. We really have not seen him do that at all this year. And then you see yesterday with just a heads-up read See mm-hmm. that loose puck, poke it to Pajot, open up and get open for that pass back and finish. I mean, he looks shocked when he scores, right? He looks absolutely shocked, but I just want to look at some stats here and then we'll get to yep. what he had to say, but he's got eight takeaways on the year. That is second behind Barzal's 10. And the more the more, the more more important part, he's got two giveaways. That's it, which is towards the top of the Islanders. He played 14-40 last game. I think that's a career high. He was getting four and four so. ice time, two. Yeah, and he had... Six goals in 50 games last year. He's got three goals in nine. And yeah, two of them have come in the last two games. <laughs> and we'll get to Holmstrom right now, but I did ask him the other day, morning skate on Saturday before his goal. I just said, you know, you f- focus so much on playing sound defensively. What does it mean for you to just contribute offensively to this team? And this is what he had to say. It feels, feels very good. I mean, that's... that's that's me, so I mean, feels very good, and I know I've got plenty more, so I just, you know, take take a little bit at a time. Yeah, and then I asked him too about the moves that he showed off, mm-hmm. and and what goes into that, because again, we haven't seen that, and again, this is what he had to say. No, I think it's just like I said, the confidence, and I know it's it's back a factor, and I know I have in my repertoire. That's Arsenal repertoire, yeah, Arsenal, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's you just gotta. Like I said before, there's time and place for it. And I mean, I, I know I can show it more and more, so I'm, I'm really excited to do that and, you know, help the team. It feels, feels very good. I mean, that's... Thank you. And, um, but the biggest thing was that he goes, this is me. And yeah. that is yeah. the huge thing because, again, he told me last year, I can be an, I can be an offensive guy for this team. And we, mm-hmm. and we said, okay, like, well, you know, we, we got to see it. And now we're just seeing a guy that he could do this Forget about everyone's talking about Wallstrom's going to have no chance. You can't take Holmstrom out of this line. If he's going to play that sound defensively where he's one of the better defensive forwards on this team and now he's going to contribute offensively. I got a piece tomorrow uh, tomorrow morning before practice, but I spoke to Barzal about it. I don't know if you guys saw the quote on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And he goes, he's going to be so good for us. He is sick. And he goes, he's got a long ways to go in terms of just getting there, but he is going to be sick for us. And... You know, maybe two weeks ago, you're like, okay, what is what is Barzal smoking, right? <laughs> but now it's it's like we're seeing flashes of, wow, this guy could be such a strong two-way player for this team playing. You know, maybe he doesn't get power play minutes, but strong 5-5 five and five, contributing 20 goals yeah. a year. But then playing top minutes on the penalty kill and being, you know, we talk about Pajot's line and mm-hmm. you still trust that line to be that shutdown line right. without Parise. And now you have fashion on the, like Holmstrom could be a perfect bottom six guy for this team where it's, we have, yeah, sure. He could go out against the best the league has to offer, mm-hmm. and there's trust. And we talked about trust with Bolduc. You're seeing, again, four and four, Holmstrom's the guy out there. Right. That, that says something to me. Well, the key word you used is confidence, and that's really what a lot of these, all of these young kids need to find. Usually that's kind of the threshold that these players need to kind of pass through before they really, 
you know, develop into the players that, you know, everybody expects them to be, why they're a first-round pick, a second-round pick, whatever it is, is, is basically just getting their foot in the door into the NHL game and then realizing, hey, I can play this speed, I can play this game, and maybe Holmstrom is finally seeing that. But with that, we got a few minutes left here in the show, so why don't we kick well, it? Well, Stefan, did you uh, did you have a hero? Did we did we swap? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Are you also Holmstrom? Holmstrom? We had no choice. Yeah, right, Holmstrom so let, let's uh, times see, two. Let's see who's really behind here. <laughs> oh, you didn't right. you didn't formally name him as your hero. You oh, kind of just <clears throat> Simon Holmstrom is also my hero of the week. Yeah. Well, case, well for Sean, your your pick was uh, actually Kyle Palmieri. I hope you. I, oh <laughs> man. We're all having all a right, You know what, guys? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take the I'll take the heat on this one. I forgot to update the pictures. So well, so when you look at Kyle Palmieri and whoever was <laughs> Noah Dobson, I think on the other side, just just imagine Simon Holmstrom. Uh, I forgot to change the pictures. That's on me. As much as I'd love to blame it on Ed, yeah. but uh, uh, but it is my fault. So so with that, let's go to questions, bro. All righty, it's time for questions, bro. So go ahead, ask us a question. <laughs> All right, Edzo, Jay, and and Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts back there. How you fellas doing Shoot tonight, Jake? We're doing great. Okay, very good, very good. So, so with that, uh, ask us some questions. Well, uh, to start off the night, I'd like to wish a very happy birthday, Mr. Hey, Tom Boyle. Happy birthday, T Boyle. Yeah. All, All right, uh, long time listener, long time watcher. Thanks a lot, buddy. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, we'll start off with a question from him. Uh, who is out there? Oh. To replace Lou and Lambert, <laughs> and, All right. and his coaching staff. All who's, right, who's out there? You know what? Uh, Is I'm, there anyone? I'm glad you asked, Tom, because I kind of wanted to tie this into our discussion about Lane Lambert. Now I know this isn't universal for everybody that's been cl- complaining about Lambert, but heading into this season and talking about the summer, there was a lot of fans out there saying that Lou didn't do enough to make this team good enough to compete this season. Right. So if that's the case, then. Doesn't that technically mean it doesn't matter what Lane does because the team wasn't good enough on the ice as it is? But but if you're complaining Lane isn't doing a good enough job coaching, that means he has a good enough team on the ice to win, right? So I kind of it kind of just creates a conflict for me. Like it can't be it can't be both. You know what I mean? Like if if Lane's not doing a good enough job for this team to win, and they're five two and three by the way, then Lou must have done a good enough job to field a team that can win. So anyway, Tom, I I, I know uh, you get fired up about this. You, you love talking about firing and replacing guys. <laughs> um, I I don't think there's a chance in hell Lou gets replaced uh, anytime soon, or at least until you know there's a summer where he decides to hang up the uh, the general managing skates. And as far as Lane goes, listen, I mean. We just talked about the flaws and and the the things that these this team needs to to improve to continue to have the success that they've had. Because I mean, right now through ten games, they're on a one hundred and six point pace at this point. We all know that they're probably not going to continue that pace if they keep coughing up leads the way they have and they play this way against the better teams. Because they've had a pretty favorable schedule. What is it? Seven out of ten games at home. Yeah. They've only played maybe three upper echelon teams now. So. We really need to see what happens when they when they start play, playing those tougher teams and, and, and they, they got to clean up what's going on. But that being said, Lane's not getting fired at 5-2-3 and three, and he's probably not getting fired at 5-5-3 five, five, and three either. There's, there's, there's going to be a little bit of a longer leash here. I will say this. You have a name floating around like Mike Sullivan and the Pittsburgh Penguins are struggling over there in Pittsburgh. And if, if that continues to happen and Kyle Dubas decides to pull the plug and bring in his own guy... I think that's when Lou probably goes down to the study with a glass of scotch and uh, and thinks for, about... For Sullivan. 
Yeah. I th- yeah. He thinks about, you know, what he might do if that scenario pops up. I think you give that some some real thought because, you know, when when Barry was fired <laughs> that summer, uh, you know, the, the Penguins had a couple of early ousters in the playoffs. And I thought maybe Sullivan was a guy who you could see getting getting the boot. And I was like, well, you got to jump on that if that happens. I mean, Sullivan's a guy I would love to see coaching the Islanders at some point. And obviously that didn't pan, pan out. The Pens hung on to him. They even extended him, I think, not too long after that. So we'll see what happens there. But but neither one of these guys are going anywhere at the moment. But look, things can change. If if, if these issues continue to show, show themselves and they start losing and tanking games and they go on a losing streak, we know this is a win-now team. Lou expects this team to win. We could see a change then. But right now, I think things are staying the same. Yeah, and don't forget last week, Mr. Thomas Hickey said, uh, you know, don't ever rule it out that uh, a coaching position would, would, would be out of the question. There you for go. Him. So, so never we, say we never. We potentially have Hickey in the <laughs> never future. Say never. We never say never. Never say never. All right. So next up from DTMR 0729. Uh, missing Pelic is huge, but is shortening the D, D bench to five the smart move? Um, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think it we covered is. it. <laughs> or we did cover it, but I just think again, it's it's one thing to lose a guy maybe if there's an Aho who's not playing a lot of minutes. I mean, you're talking about your best defender who eats minutes, and now you have a guy you're you're essentially filling him with a guy that doesn't eat minutes. I'm not good at math, but that doesn't that doesn't equate. <laughs> and again, it's one thing you, you want to see Dobson play more minutes on one's hand because the more minutes he plays, the more offense he can provide, and you, everyone's for that. The problem is again. If Pellick's out long-term, that can catch up to a guy who's not used to playing that many minutes. And I think that's when you have an issue. If you had a, if you had a veteran 7th D-man you brought in who's who's 8 minutes before in this league or is just a reliable, sound defenseman, even to me like a Grant Hutton where, sure, he's not going to stand out and do anything for you, but he's going to play sound defensively. You do have trust in him because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to step at the wrong times. He's going to make the plays and move the puck, and that's what they need. Then sure, you know, but, but the, right now that's not what they're doing. The problem is, and until they're willing to risk sending a guy like Bolduc through waivers, which they probably won't, I don't think we're going to see a change or LTIR. The that's problem. the only thing. Yeah. If some, yeah, if somebody ends up on the long term injured list, that's when you could do something. Because like IR, that. you could call up somebody. The problem is the Islanders still don't have enough cap space. Like, IR doesn't mm. clear them from the cap, so they don't have the cap space to bring up anybody anyway. So, like we said, you know, they're going to have to ride Bolduc, and Lane's going to have to probably make a choice. Either I'm going to play him and trust him, or I really got to think about 13 forwards because at this point, again, if you put a defensive forward in there, that will help the defense. Ed. All right. Next up from Mel Armania 22. Hi, Mel. Um, Would you rather have Lane behind the bench or Lou? Interesting question. Yeah, we we all agree that was a great question. I think (laughs) if – we talked about it before. Unless Sullivan is out there, firing Lane doesn't do much because you're not – you know, John McLean – do you want him to be the head coach? He's been a head coach for Lou before, and then Lou fired him. Um, you have Kowalski in his first year as the head coach in Bridgeport after being an associate down there. I doubt they're going to do that. Does firing Lane wake this group up? Maybe. Does Lou going behind the bench wake this group up? I, I, first just... off, I would love to see that. Um, and that would probably fire these guys up, you would, you would think, to an extent. But at the same time, I don't think Lou has any interest in doing that. I just think we're we're so ahead of ourselves. Yeah. It is so funny to like. I get the reasons why because we see what's happening on the ice. I get it, but it's just so comical to me that this team has a winning record, a better start, I'm sure, than they had last season. Oh, by, it's one of their best starts in like <laughs> right, five years. Right, right, and and again, the caveats that I mentioned before. But it's so funny to me that yeah. we're talking about this with a winning record in the in the thick of the the, the top three of the Metro. But anyway, but let's... before we go to the next one, though, we yeah. talk about the Metro, right? And everyone's like, the Metro is the toughest division in hockey. The caps well, have Pete fallen. Pete doesn't out. seem to think so. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. The caps have fallen out. 
the Penguins, Columbus is bad, Philly's bad. You're talking about the Metro is Carolina, Devils, and then Rangers, Islanders. That's that's really what it is right now. So, so sure, maybe it, it's yeah. top heavy, but it's not like it's a one through eight fight. You know, this is not right. a like the Islanders are struggling right now, struggling, and they're <laughs> right. still right. in a good spot in terms of the division. We saw last year, you know, the Islanders had a horrific January, horrific. But the reason they were able to stay in this race is because the Penguins, the Capitals, even the Panthers and the Wild Card also had really bad Januarys. It yeah. wasn't because again, if this Metro was that tough, the Islanders have never had a chance last year after their ridiculously no, bad you're, January. You're right. It's so top I think though. even if the Islanders aren't playing amazing and they're struggling, it's not like the Metro's on fire right now. The Rangers went on a winning streak for sure, but again, they'll come down to earth. They lost Adam Fox. Igor they blew is a hurt. three goal lead last Jack night. Jack Hughes now is out. Is week to week. I mean, mm. think this is. You know, everyone's got to keep in mind that. The Islanders could be not playing their best hockey, but no one in that division really is playing at the top of the game. Maybe the Devils are the only team in the division that are playing to their true selves, and they just lost their best player. Ed? Yeah, uh, and just a side note, Mel also wanted to know about the McAvoy suspension. I was under the impression that it was still um, uh, in the process. No, he got four games. Yeah, he, he got, got four games. He got four games, but I was going to say if you had any uh, update on that. Yeah, uh, yeah that, was, that was a... Hit to the head can't happen. Blatant, intentional, blatant. yeah, yeah not not representing Long Island well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, next question from Jr. Adonis. Uh, seems seems like a familiar name. That is honestly. a familiar name. Is that our very own shoeless? Is Jake that shoeless in the chat? Jake? Is that shoeless? Who let Jake him in the, in the chat? chat? <laughs> He's supposed to be working, not in the chat. <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought he was working. <laughs> well, he asked a question. Okay. Uh, what do you think the timetable is with Pelix injury, and how and how much does uh, does him being out of the lineup hurt this team? So what I will say is he skated Saturday morning, and I am not a doctor, and he seemed to be, like, figuring out his hip a little bit. It was a hip on hip, so you got to think it's like Mayfield where it's just a bone bruise because if he he had anything torn or whatever, he is not skating the day after. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not happening. So to me, you're hoping – they're saying it's day-to-day, and I think maybe he misses two to three games. You know, they're not going to rush this guy back. The last thing they need is to rush him into a game and have him be out long because we saw last year. I think he missed 22 games. Um, But, yeah, he is a catastrophic loss. If Lane and the coaching staff don't have a defenseman they could trust to fill that hole. Uh, next up from Thomas pa- Thomas Panic. I love this question. So the wave during the second period of a close game, yay or nay? Okay, this is a good one to end on. <laughs> um, the wave is awful. The wave uh, should be eradicated from all arenas and stadiums in sports. It's lame. And uh, embarrassing as Jay does. <laughs> I wish we had a camera pointer to you guys right now. That would have been well worth the... Uh, We're doing the wave. They're, they're still case, doing it. Figure That's it great. Yeah, no, listen. Uh, this all fall, falls on Sparky the Dragon. Um, and let's Niles, just, Niles, let it go. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I, we, I talked about this on Twitter. This is... And, I, and I, I was at the game, and I watched it from my seat, and Sparky was absolutely the leader of the wave on this. Niles was kind of there, just like, all right, I'm here. You know, I got to keep... Bystander. He just, he just got the job. Bystander. He was, it he time was, to take he was the out for almost down 30 and, years. And protest? Niles, Niles was walking the streets of Long Island. <laughs> walking the streets of Long Island. He finally gets his job back, and you got Sparky dragging him into the crowd <laughs> to start the wave. Obviously, he's going to cooperate because he wants to hang on to his job. I don't hold Niles responsible. Niles, if you're out there... Don't worry about it. I know it was the dragon. It's fine. But but I, I have to say, it's getting so the, angry. The listen, man. This is this is close to my right, heart. We got to I mean, take look, Sparky I, off the we, wall now. I'm thinking about at a it. protest. I'm thinking about it. I, I, listen, this is all part of my plan to get Sparky out and nip in. That's that's nip. what it's all about. But we'll that's 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 down the road. That's we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, it, it went on for a while too. It really did. They kept going round and round. So uh, I guess credit to the spirit of Islander fans for doing it. But I am anti-wave. 
Yeah, I I mean, I can't stand it. I just think <laughs> <laughs> One, it's distracting. I was wa- honestly, it was happening last night. And I was watching the wave, and I'm like, "Oh, there's a hockey game being played that I'm supposed to be you know, covering." But uh, yeah, uh, just the get, kids get like rid- I think it's the only arena that the wave happens. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I think it's more of a seventh inning Knock stretch the baseball. Down. Thing it's over. To do. Just get rid of it. Um, all right. Well, well, we got to wrap things up. So if we didn't get to your questions, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate it. We'll try to get to them next week. But uh, oh, as always, thank you for contributing, so getting into the chat. I am I am just fine. That was actually fun and uh, very therapeutic for me. So that was nice. So with that, Ed, cue the music. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you a big thanks for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York here at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. want to send a big thanks to Pete Blackburn of Valley Sports and the brand new hockey show, What Chaos. Huge thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagel located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Life. Remember to check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. The guys have been doing the wave ever since I started this rap here. Big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. Also, a huge thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but hey, if you have to, Razor and Kniff are ready to fight for you. Call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. Also, of course... Big thanks to Floored Media and Jay Belsky for turning on the lights here, turning on the cameras, and helping out our Operation Hockey Night in New York. And folks, remember to rate, review, subscribe, hit us up on social at Hockey Night NY. For Stefan Rosner, I've been Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We will see you next week.